Well, as Eric just read our uh, scripture reading, <laughs> today um, our uh, scripture lesson comes from Acts 2, 42 through 47, and it's in the Pew Bible uh, on page 772 if you'd like to follow along with me there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be a bit informal like we were last week. You remember we had the high school graduates sitting right up here in the front, and I told them to imagine themselves in the Barnett family room uh, having an informal discussion uh, with the beagle howling outside uh, to, give us some, uh, to give us some background. And I want you to do the same today. I thought it was important for us at this point to, to go back and review our theme. Now, remind me what our, uh, our, our foundational theme is that we had for last year. It's the whole, help me with it, the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. And this new one is covenant community, or as we know it, real people, real life, real love, as you see it up there. We are just about halfway through the year with this particular emphasis. And I thought it would be really good for us to have a moment of uh, encouragement, review, and maybe prod ourselves even forward as we review this. So this is our chance to look at and to assess the vibe of the tribe, right? He's just a hip guy. I love that. It's interesting, the last number of, of days I have gotten together uh, individually with some of you and said, okay, don't, don't give me any, any guff, don't gloss it over. Tell me how you would assess our sense of community here at Brookwood. You know, you've been here 10 years or, or 20 years or 5 years or 2 years. Where are we with things? And it was very encouraging. I mean, 100% response was, hey, we are in a great place. We're in the best of places that a church would want to be with a sense of community, of being there for one another, having a great spirit here. Uh, you know, when people are in need, we're, we're on it, and we're there to help one another out. And that's all great and fine. But since it's mid-year, let's ask ourselves, are there some things that we could press on a bit even more? Are there some things we could do even better? And what I want us to do is focus on the three primary action verbs that you find in our passage. Eric, that was cool that, that, that you used that passage in your grace along the journey, and uh, that's really where we're going. So if you would, if you have a Bible, it'd be great. It's what, page 772, I think, in your pew Bible. Please feel free to open that up or open up your Bible. And I want you to think, first of all, about our first phrase of real people. Again, it's real people, real life, real love. But let's go to real people, first of all. And look at verse 42 there, and the key verb there, obviously, is devoted. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. Now, there are four actions there that the word devoted applies to. It applies to all four of those. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of the bread, and prayer. And, and, and the word devoted is interesting in the Greek. It literally means it's an athletic term that was used back then for an athlete who was stretching toward a goal. That's what it's talking about. 
It's adhering to something and adhering to it so much that you're stretching toward it as much as you can, and you're not going to relent. These are the things you're going to do no matter what. You're not going to stop stretching toward these things. And it's interesting, if you look at these three phrases, two of them are horizontal, two are vertical when it comes to church life. Look at the horizontal, first of all. You see them in there. Fellowship and breaking of bread. Fellowship and breaking of bread. Now, fellowship, the word there is really referring to the more formal kind of get-togethers. Even the breakfast that we had this morning, which was so wonderfully attended, and, and uh, it's, it's more of a formalized kind of big event gathering. And my goodness, Brian Pavlik has done a great job helping get a lot of those together. They've all been successful, and those have been great, and that's fine. And that's more the fellowship. Breaking of the bread is a smaller, less formal group. And yes, it can involve a meal. Uh, The word there connotes that it could be talking about experiencing the Lord's Supper together and having that wonderful observance. But it really applies to just small community gatherings as well. And again, we, we have really made strides in that dimension, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later with our community groups. But we've also had, I remember years ago, people talking about a yearning for more of a sense of transparency here. And not just better formal communication in the church system, but but really being willing to to share a little bit more about your life. I think Brian likes to call it life on life and really sharing these things authentically. Things that are going on with us, you know, things that we're struggling with, things that are joys in our life. But doing that and being there for one another in times of sincere need. But I want to ask a simple question that needs to at least haunt us a little bit. What is it that really defines us as a real people? Uh, As a transparent community, as a tribe, we use that word sometimes, or as a family, we use that word a lot, as as Eric did. You know, is is that what defines us, being open to one another, being authentic with one another, being there for one another? The thing is, we really need to be focused more on the vertical. I think the horizontal, those are blessings and byproducts of that which is even more important. Look back at your verse there. They devoted themselves to two other things. Look at the two bookends. They devoted themselves to what? First of all, the apostles' teaching, and what's at the end there? What's at the end? Prayer. Apostles' teaching and prayer, and that really comes first and foremost. Those are the two top priorities. And so are you and I defined by those two things as opposed to just, hey, we're a wonderful gathering and people love one another and they're there for one another? But again, is there that confessional element is there that desire for us to really grow in grace and knowledge of christ as second peter three eighteen says is there really that desire to be students of the word of god which is the apostles teaching is there really a desire for us you know to devote ourselves to prayer i was so blessed the other night because uh, as many of you know a few years ago the deacons really committed to prayer saying that you know what at least half the time when we have deacons meetings we're just going to break up in small groups and pray. To be real honest, there is so much good stuff going on right now that the last few deacons meetings we had to kind of sacrifice the prayer time a good bit. And I remember going into this last deacons meeting the other Wednesday afternoon and thinking, you know what, I wish we could get back to a little bit more of the prayer. And God bless him, Price Hightower, our deacon chair, said, you know, I've been talking to Mark Coggin, who is the chair of the prayer, uh, the praying that we do as deacons. And they, they said, you know what, next deacons meeting, We're not going to deal with any business at all. We're going to pray. We're gathering to pray, and that's it. And I was so blessed by that because, again, that's telling me that that maybe we are pushing that in the right direction and following as what God's Word says right here. I was very, very encouraged by that. 
But let me press this a little further. Are we defined by those two vertical dimensions of what it means to do church? How committed are we to studying God's Word? How committed are we each and every day, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesdays, but every day to engaging in spiritual disciplines, whether it's prayer or meditation or confession or whatever it might be. Go back to Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline. There's multiple disciplines, prayer being really the most foundational of all of them. To what degree are you and I really committed to that? I've set it up here a few times before. If we do mission work, but it doesn't have that confessional element in it, it's really not missions, is it? It's humanitarian work. And there's nothing wrong with humanitarian work, but don't define it as missions. It's so important, and is Harold Cannon here? Oh, Harold's out of town. He's, he's in France, I think. Uh, but Harold is always so careful about this, and so many of you, Kyle and so many others, when you go and do your medical work or helping people with eyesight, with glasses or whatever it is, you all are so careful to say, do you know why I am doing this? Do you know why I'm here? And it gives you the opportunity on a confessional level to say, this is why I'm doing this. Is it important to give hands and feet to mission and sharing the gospel? Sure, that's what the whole gospel is about. But if you don't have that element of confessing Christ, it's humanitarianism. Again, nothing wrong with that, but we are not to be defined merely by that, are we? We are not. We have that dimension that we have to share with one another, so we really need to be real people in Christ, not merely real people who hang around and are real with one another. It's, it's, it's more than that. Jesus said, seek ye first, what? Being real with one another? Seek ye first authentic community? Seek ye first, he said, seek, somebody help me with that. Seek ye first what the, what? Kingdom, kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all those other things will be added, including fellowship and authenticity and all that other good stuff. But those are byproduct blessings of that which is foundational. And is our devotion to Christ, and I mean on a daily basis with our practices and all, is that the clear priority for you and for me? So I would hope and pray that you and I for the second part of this year would devote this latter half to discerning that among ourselves. You can even do that among your community groups. One of my big concerns is our our devotion, in fact, I just wrote it down the other day, let me just, is our devotion to Christ the clear priority, or is it a fragmentary part of a lifestyle dictated more by cultural secularism than it is by the kingdom of God? I worry more and more about the American church as to church being one fragment, one component of of a worldview and a practice of that worldview that, that really is disjointed where really the church and this whole idea of, of real people in Christ is not foundational. Now, where are we going with that? And I'll go on and confess to you, I think we're going to have to devote a whole year to that. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, devote, we're in our second year of this 2020 vision. First one is whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. Real people, real life, real love. There are two others on that seven-year thing, and Tim, correct me if I'm wrong. One of them is called self-feeding disciples. The other is owning your faith. And I think maybe we might even merge those. Because <laughs> I think those are two pivotal matters of to what degree am I leaning too much into the church or activities and all when I need to be more of a self-feeding disciple and, and, and a disciplined disciple of Jesus, a disciplined learner, learning the apostles' teaching and spending adequate time in prayer. I think we're going to have to give a whole year to that, so stay tuned. 
Our goal needs to be real people in Christ. But secondly, real people, real life. And, and, and if the key verb in the first one is they devoted themselves to these four things, stretched themselves in that direction, here it's continued. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were consistent and ongoing with these activities. And notice there are two of them. There are two facets of this activity. First of all, the temple courts, when they would go to the temple courts, that was, that was a bigger worship meeting like we're having right now. That's really what it's talking about. They would go together as a whole, as a combined group, to worship. And secondly, though, it says they broke bread in homes. And that's more of a small community group where they had fellowship and Bible study, sometimes perhaps observing the Lord's Supper. So again, there, there are both of these components. So I'm so glad, and I asked, gosh, Eric did such a great job, didn't he, sharing about how he has been blessed by his community group. And a lot of people have engaged in that. In fact, let me just talk about that for a moment. I asked Brian and Amy to give me an assessment of the last six weeks. Do you know that 22 new groups started in the last six weeks? 22 community... Folks, that's a, lot of pe- that's a lot of groups for this church. And that's, that's not counting groups already existing. The feedback, well, folks love the idea and most groups want to continue in the fall. No groups had major issues with times to meet or length of time for a group. They said Wednesday nights were very convenient because uh, uh, child care was, uh, was uh, built in. Amy and Brian are going to be working with Yvonne, who is our adult education minister, and they're working on some leader training for the people who will head these groups in the fall. Uh, we're looking toward another kickoff in the fall. We're looking at adding a few more groups. I think Brian and Amy alluded to that downstairs, and gosh, they've done just a great job with all this. I think there are at least two co-ed groups they're wanting to add. Um, starting the Wednesday after uh, Labor Day, we have the great Fisher Humphreys, to me, the premier Baptist theologian alive, and he'll come back and grace us, and he'll teach uh, the regular Bible study that I usually teach, but that's going to free me up to lead a small group myself, and I'm excited about that. We're going to have some other offerings like that on Wednesday night. So again, great stuff going on with that. 22 new groups just in the last six weeks. That's wonderful. And I hope you realize the benefit of these community groups. And again, I so appreciate you, Eric, speaking to that. And it reminded me of our need for community. You might remember this passage from Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I like the preface preface leading up to the better known verse because it really paints a picture of someone who is desperately in need of community but seems to have everything that he needs. But let me read the first two verses, Ecclesiastes 4, 8, and 9. There was a man all alone. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. He asked himself, for whom am I toiling, and why am I depriving myself of this enjoyment? This, too, is meaningless. It's a miserable business. Very next verse, the better-known verse, two are better than one. It's kind of the answer to all this. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Better to have two or more. Two or more who can always be there for you should you stumble and fall, should you be going through difficult times. Contrary to what you might think, you do need community with brothers and sisters in Christ, with one another. And I just thought I would do this. This last week, I decided to look at the New Testament and see how often the phrase one another is used. And it's amazing. And and this is not an exhaustive list by any stretch. 
But obviously there's this sense of being so interconnected, so interrelated. Love one another, honor one another, be devoted to one another, live in harmony with one another, accept one another, instruct one another, greet one another, agree with one another, encourage one another, serve one another, bear with one another, be kind and compassionate with one another, submit to one another, forgive one another, teach and admonish one another, spur on one another toward love and good deeds, keep on loving one another, offer hospitality to one another, show humility toward one another, have fellowship with one another. I get the impression that God did not intend for the Christian life to be disconnected from one another. (laughs) We're not disconnected islands from one another. We are interconnected, we are interrelated, and we need to act upon that in a very real way. So take time to be a part of this. Again, and I will say this, I work a lot with younger generation, as you know, they thrive on and they demand relational small group time. They don't apologize for it. I'm very, very confident. This is a very confident prediction is that the church of the future in America is going to have much, much more of an emphasis on relationships and opportunities to have more small community group time. It's going to be demanded. doesn't seem like really a bad demand either. And I think you're just going to see it moving that direction. And I'm glad we're already working to see if we can get on to that bus as well. And things seem to be going very well with that. And one reason we do that is to add to the community uh, with real love. Okay, we've done real people, devoting ourselves to that which is most important. Uh, real life, again, um, continuing on with these disciplines of being with one another in small groups and, and big groups. But thirdly, real love. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added, there's the key verb there, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why were so many being added? Because God had the people focused outwardly. You know, what they shared was not nearly inward so much as it was outward. He was using people to reveal his love to others, especially people who did not know him, people who were strangers. Gosh, we've added, and I wasn't going to say this, but we've added a lot in the last year or two with, just with our relationship with True Vine, don't you think? It's just amazing. Tim, we have, what, three people going on the construction mission trip who are at True Vine Church. The interconnections we have there are just amazing. Some incredible things going on. Uh, just the chance that, that many of us took to go down there for that special dinner and dedication, and Tim and I did our lame Blues Brothers dancing up there with Ralph. I mean, that was all worth it. It was frightening, but worth it. But again... And I think that's a rich way that we have added. We've added to ourselves numbers-wise in a way because that, there's such a close kinship with that church. But that church has blessed us, I think, in so many ways more than we have blessed them. I truly do think that. They have taught us a lot. And they've taught us, if nothing else, what to have as far as authentic fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ from whom others might say we are separated ethnically or racially or geographically. But you know what? We're not. But I've also thought about how we add by looking around just even in this room and reaching out. Eric, I think it might have been you who really liked this the first time I said this quote a year or two ago, that the church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of non-members. I think you, I don't know if you remember, you came up and said how much you love that. Just play along with me, okay? Uh, But again, let me say this again. The church is the only organization, listen to this, it's the only organization that exists for the benefit of non-members. And given that, how committed are you and me to really reaching out? And I mean even in this room. Do you remember 
I'm tempted to do this, but I'm not going to. Do you remember there was a Sunday where I had you stand up and look at somebody you had never met and go walk over and introduce yourself? Do you remember when I did that? And I asked you how many steps it took, and for most of you, it was less than 10 steps. Now think about that, because we're not some mega church. We're, we're a family community church, and yet still, it took you less than 10 steps. Some of you just had to turn around, and there you were. There was someone you'd never spoken with. And I think that really says a lot to us. Just this past week, I learned from a pastor friend of mine in Kentucky about something that he and his elders do. It's an elder model at that church. And they go by the two-minute drill. And I shared this with the deacons the other night. They're on board. They liked it, the two-minute drill. When I finish the benediction later on, when I'm walking out the door there, okay, when the benediction is finished, every elder in that church doesn't, they don't start gravitating to one another. They try not to even gravitate to family members unless they have to, if there's a minor emergency or something. For the first two minutes, they look around for somebody they have never met, have never spoken to. It might be a first-time guest, it might not. It might be a member, a non-member, it doesn't matter. But for two minutes, you go look for somebody that you've never spoken to before. I'd like to start that this morning. And so when I finish that prayer, I hope you will abide by the two-minute drill. And again, it can take just less than 10 steps, or we could talk about 10 feet. How many of y'all know, I never knew about this, the Sam Walton Pledge or the Sam Pledge, you know, the Walmart guy? Apparently for years, he used to make people take this pledge. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? He would have all his employees say, from this day forward, every customer that comes within 10 feet of me, regardless of what I'm doing in this place, I'm going to look them in the eye, I'm going to smile, I'm going to greet them with a good morning or a good afternoon, or what can I do for you, and it ends, so help me, Sam. That's, okay? That's what it says. Apparently, that's what employees, I think, used to do, and I thought, well, that's great and fine. Wouldn't it be great to have a good Samaritan pledge as a church, maybe a Brookwood pledge that says this, from this day forward, every person that comes within 10 feet of me, regardless of what I'm doing in this church, I'm going to look them in the eye. I'm going to smile. I'm going to greet them with a good morning or a good afternoon. Or what can I do for you? So help me, Jim. Oh, God. Yes, okay. <laughs> Thank you for that corrective. Uh, so I really do. I, I, I hope that we will abide by uh, uh, the two-minute, 10-foot drill. Uh, beginning today. And, and again, just devote ourselves to that for the latter part of this year. I think fellowship and community are great, but we're, I think we're doing that well, but the bottom line question again is, are we, are we a distinguishable people based on what we confess? And, and with that, I want to close with sort of a Memorial Day appropriate story, and it's a true story, story about an American serviceman over in Korea. This was long after the Korean War was over, but he was stationed at a military base in Seoul. And he was far away from home. It was one of those days he felt very alone, very isolated, very homesick. And he found himself at a bus stop and he got on a bus, happened to have his Bible with him. Sat on the bus and across the aisle, he, he kept noticing there was a Korean man who was trying to catch his eye. And he was just like, leave me alone. Finally, the guy caught his eye and the Korean man said something in Korean. And the American said, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know Korean, but hello. And they rode along a little bit more, but the man kept saying something, and he couldn't quite make it out. And it was like, Jesu, Jesu, Jesu. And then he thought, Jesu, what does he mean by that? And the Korean pointed to the man's Bible in the English language and said, Jesu. He said, oh, 
Jesus? He said, Jesus, Jesus, yes. And he reached over and took the American soldier's Bible and opened it to 1 John 1, 7, which reads, and this is beautiful. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. How cool that he knew that. Because it's saying what? That even though we might appear to be divided by race and geography and ethnicity and even language, we are bound together in Christ if we are walking in the light. That's what binds us and distinguishes us, makes us stand out, that makes us a peculiar people. How committed are you and I to that? And with that, let's bow our heads in prayer. And as we enter into the discipline of meditation, I first want you to take one more moment and silently give thanks for those who give us simply the opportunity to be here right now uh, because of their standing on a wall for us. Take just a moment to give thanks for those people and their families. And secondly, I want you to give thanks for the people of God, the community of God, this tribe, this family of faith, if this is your home family of faith, or if it's not, just give thanks for your family of faith back home or just the family of faith universal that you get to be a part of. Give thanks for your community of faith. And finally... Pray for those who are in this room or outside this room who have yet to become a part of this community and just pray that you might be an instrument of God's grace, of Jesus' whole gospel, that you might help someone come to know the saving grace, the loving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, may we commit ourselves all the more to be a real people, living real life, exercising real love amongst ourselves in a way that is pleasing to you and that places you as top priority. We pray especially for those who might not know you, who might not be a part of your family because they do not know you personally. We ask a special special prayer for them, that they might come to know you by surrendering themselves over to you in faith. We pray these things in your name. Amen. I really want Gontemer to come forward. We're going to commission Gontemer and Dagi and Timka and Tevna and Nandan in just a moment. We've had an important development uh, come up uh, in Mongolia just in the last, I guess, 24 hours, Gontemer. And uh, it's a bit, uh, it's, it's, it's reason for concern and for all the more prayer for them. And I wanted to be sure that, that Gontemer had enough time to explain uh, before Larry comes forward to share. So Gontemer, could you share with us, please? Well, today in the Memorial Day, we are celebrating not just, uh, we celebrate life, the life in its full expression, the life that is expressed through our minds, our emotions, the life that is expressed through our soul and our spirit, and freedom is, is vital. And as we go back to Mongolia, we're not just going back to our home, we're not going just to the mission field, we are going to the battlefield. And very one of the examples is that yesterday I received an email from our ministry with Mongolia Campus Crusade for Christ, saying that government do not want to extend our registration. They do not want us to be as active, influential, 
and their pursuit of God and his freedom. They want to limit us. They want to put us into control. They want to do the way they want to do. And because of that, the Ministry of Military Ministry has to stop for summer for three months in order to deal with the government, deal with the registration issues, deal with the regulations. And ultimately, as Larry and Pastor Barnett said, it is a work, it is an action of a Satan that do not really want us to these things happen. So we are in the middle of spiritual warfare. In the result of registration of government officials, I cannot beat that. <laughs> <laughs> she has her own moment and always. <laughs> so I do want you to be a part of a, as a community and celebrate together life in its expression of freedom, not just here, but in Mongolia, in Asia. And we are not just allies in a war like Freedom of Iraq or Afghanistan or Sudan. We are allies in a spiritual warfare, and we are a part of the kingdom of God and his warriors. Thank you. This makes it even harder to say goodbye uh, to Gontamer and his family. Uh, and I think it's all the more important that we uh, pray impassioned prayers uh, this morning for Gontamer and his family. Uh, one thing that Gontamer didn't mention is that, you know, Larry Dennis, Larry... Can you come on up and, and stand there at the pulpit? But Larry, I, I mentioned last week, uh, he and uh, his counseling colleague and one other person were scheduled to go this week. We were supposed to commission Larry as well. Because of the government action, uh, Larry's trip has been shut down. They are not going this week. And again, to me, that's just another example of governmental and, yes, I would say principality and powers uh, intervention uh, in a way that uh, I would unapologetically say is, is an act of spiritual warfare. And so uh, they really do need our prayers this morning. And so I'm going to ask, well, Nandan and Tevna are already up. Tim, can you come on up? And Daigie, come on up. And I want to ask if you guys could stand up here beside Larry. And uh, uh, Larry's going to pray on behalf of all of us in just a moment. And I'd like to ask that if anybody feels led, could you come up and join them and lay a hand on them or lay a hand on somebody who, who is closer to them uh, so that we can have a commissioning prayer. Uh, this family is so loved here, is going to be so missed here, and uh, uh, they need to know that we are surrounding them with powerful prayer. Uh, each and every day, and that we're always there for them. I hope you guys know that, that Brookwood is there for you every minute, anytime you call, and I hope you are keenly aware of that. Can anybody who feels led come on up and, and so we can pray for them? Larry, would you lead us in prayer? Certainly. May we pray? Lord, we should not be surprised by having opposition and uh, the things that are going on in Mongolia right now. Well, Lord, this, uh, in fact, we should expect it. For we know, Lord, that throughout your ministries, you walked on the face of this earth 2,000 years ago. There was constant opposition to your message and to your word. That it's the history of the early disciples, Lord, who were frequently persecuted and martyred. And the early church, Lord, faced persecution, and we see it even to this day. So we should not be surprised or shocked. Lord, while we should be disappointed in what's going on in Mongolia, we should never be disheartened. We know, Lord, that the plan you have for mankind and our redemption has remained unchanged since creation. We know, Lord, that the, cro that the cross, and more importantly, the empty tomb, reminds us that nothing 
even death itself can challenge your sovereignty and your divine will. We know, Lord, that there is no nation, no power, and certainly no government that can alter your divine response to a lost world. For if you are with us, who can be against us? Lord, we pray for the staff of the Centurion Ministry now and the Campus Crusade for Christ staff, Lord, as they face uncertainty. Uh, It's always difficult, Lord, when you don't know what's going to happen next. And we ask that you would strengthen them and be with them and comfort them. And, Lord, may they remember what you tell us in Scripture, that your power is made perfect in weakness. And that when we are at our weakest and turn everything over to you, we are at our strongest. And, Lord, it is our prayer that they will know and experience that truly your grace is sufficient. Lord, we pray for the people of Mongolia. Like so many people everywhere, Lord, they are lost. There's an emptiness. There's a loss of reason and meaning for life. We pray, God, that we will be, have the opportunity to go back and to share your saving grace and message of the gospel with them. And, Lord, now we come to saying goodbye to Gontamer and his family. We thank you for the opportunity of fellowship with Gontamer and Diggy and Tevna and Temka and Nandan. We thank you, God, for the great example they are of commitment to you and to witnessing to you and to be great disciples and for the blessings they've given this church. Lord, we're saddened that they're going to go, but we're excited for them at the new opportunities they have to serve you. We pray that you would continue to bless their ministry, that you would open new doors of service, and more importantly, Lord, open new hearts to receive your saving grace. Lord, we pray for their safety and travel. We pray for their transition as they go from one culture to the next and make those reconnections and form new connections, Lord. Please be with them and strengthen them. Lord, if they're weary or tired, we ask for strength, a renewing of their spirit. If there's anxiety and fear, we ask for courage and peace. If there's uncertainty and doubt, we ask that you would increase their faith and their dependence on you. And Lord, it is our prayer that they may experience the continued joy of your salvation that comes from being in your presence and trusting you totally. So now, Lord, we ask that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, if you guys could just stay there. Uh, Gontemer, was there something you were wanting to do here? Okay. If you guys don't mind just staying put and you guys come down here. And Tim, if you, where are you, Tim? You could join us here. Uh, you, here. Uh, okay, screen. There go, Tim. Let's let's show our love and our appreciation to Gontemer and Dave and all of you. Um, 
I'm going to ask if Gontemur and Daigie and the kids could follow us out. Uh, you're doing a great job there, Timka. Uh, if they could follow, uh, follow me and Tim out, uh, they'll be in the uh, breezeway uh, for you to hug their necks one more time and to wish them well. So uh, let's stand for the benediction. Depart now in the fellowship of God the Father, and as you go, remember that by the goodness of God you were born into this world, and by the grace of God you have been kept all the day long, even until this very hour, and by the love of God fully revealed in the face of Jesus you have been redeemed, and you are being redeemed. So go in peace. Amen.